Yo, this is official Shawmer International Film Festival spoiler alert. We are going to spoil the movie we're going to talk about and probably some other ones. So uh, be warned. I think a pygmy by Charles Hawtrey. <laughs> Still no idea what he says. In the deaf aids. In the deaf aids. So when Doris gets her oats. Phase one in which Doris gets her oats. Uh, in this episode of Showmart International Film Festival, I'm here with Dan Cowwhite, mm-hmm. and uh, the two of us are going to be riding solo, wearing mm-hmm. raincoats, mm-hmm. and uh, on our way back home, talking about the Beatles Get Back. Yeah, so on good. Disney Plus. Um, yeah, so let's get into it. Yeah, Action. 94% IMDb. Reviews are high. One of the things I saw, one of the things, like, there's a bunch of things I want to talk about. I wrote them all down. So, like, I follow the Washington Post or whatever on Facebook, and one of the things was, Get Back shows us that the Beatles were highly overrated. And it was like, are you fucking kidding me? That article was horrible. Um, <laughs> oh, you read it? I didn't read the whole thing because uh, I had I didn't have the um, uh, the Washington Post uh, subscription, so it only right. gave me a part of it. You article. already read your um, lotted amount. Yeah, and but also um, people were talking about it on, uh, on Twitter. Um, I felt like it was clickbait. No, absolutely it was. Um, it's one of those things. So I want to get into this. Uh, yeah, yeah, let, let me, yeah. Let me bring set, it, set, set, set this whole thing up. Bring it, bring it, One of the things, um, uh, welcome to the show, everyone. Welcome to Sean Murray's International Film Festival. Uh, I am your host, the Diamond Boy, Sean Murray. <laughs> they call me the Big Ornament now. I don't know why. Who's that? I don't know. Oh, it's just happening. The, the all right, big ornament. The big ornament. That is good. Um, it is. That's <laughs> real good. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I'm here with Danny Cowwhite. Hello. <laughs> um, and uh, so... The Beatles get back. Yes. Uh, 1969. 1968, 69. Yeah, 68, 69. Um, famously, the, this is the, the sessions for Let It 150 Be. 150 hours of, of, of audio film and, footage. Well, 150 hours of audio, 60, 60 hours of uh, Is video. that what it is? Yeah. Okay. But um, so this is a big undertaking for Peter Jackson. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, just I want to talk about craft, right? So, because mm. I, I definitely want to, there's, there's a lot of. Um, there's a ton in terms of content-wise to get into about like just the the contents of the the documentary. But one of the things I want to talk about is the craft of it because like we we had a conversation before about um like what else is there to say about the Beatles? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like and it, it's kind of what you, you you think about before you see this. Like 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 what could it be? I think the the brilliance of um the approach to this documentary is that it doesn't try to say anything about the Beatles. It lets the Beatles tell their own story. Yeah, I think warts, Jackson, warts and all. Yeah, I think um. Uh, understanding, like uh, I think a lot of um, documentarians, especially if you have this footage in mm-hmm. the modern day, especially with um, uh, Paul McCartney and Ringo Starr still alive, right. they'd want to get interviews from them to uh, I- anyone who's still alive from that time period, and then uh, you know contemporary artists and you know uh, give their opinion on it. I think the brilliance of this documentary is that it lets the this footage speak for itself. Mm. And um, one of the things I want to talk about is. It's, uh, Peter Jackson it took him four years to uh, to wow. edit this thing. I mean, it's sixty hours of footage, um, and um, I just want to talk about that. Like the editing is so it's so smart because I've I've heard people say this movie is uh, this well, 
I'm considering it a movie for What is it, eight hours? Three episodes over eight hours, pretty much? Yeah, it's like the uh, first one's two hours, 36 minutes. The next one's roughly the same. So we're looking at five there. Yeah, it's just, so under, it's like, just it, under eight. Yeah, okay. Um, One of the things that is interesting about this is, uh, first of all, I noticed... It's funny how this footage was initially supposed to be a TV show, like a TV mm. special, and it turned into a movie. And then with Peter Jackson is kind of the inverse, where it's supposed to be he wanted to just do it as a movie, and then it ended up being a, a series. Right. But um, the under I don't think people understand the undertaking mm. of sixty hours of footage of the Beatles, nonetheless, at this period of time is such a a huge thing to uh to have to task yourself with, like just sitting it, like what because like. Oh, the reason I brought up the length was, how do you decide what to keep in? Because a lot of this is nonsense. Like a lot, like and not, not in a bad way. I'm saying like a lot of right. it is like them just kind of noodling around in the studio. It makes me think of so like uh, Phil Spector famously. I mean, I think Let It Be is a fantastic album. I could see where they would dislike some of the things Phil Spector did. But one of the things we were kind of talking about uh, through the chat was that he took this thing that was intended to be a TV show and a movie than an album, but then they didn't really know what they wanted. And there's been so many different cuts yeah. of the audio, f- uh, whatever you want to call it. And uh, so they had the Let It Be Naked that I liked because those are the really kind of stripped down versions. But it's without uh, the John Lennon, like, non sequiturs in between. And without those, the album loses something. Yeah. So, like, to to your point, how do you take even eight hours out of the 60 hours and tell a cohesive story. That's, that's fascinating about it. And, it, it. and it never feels like you're... It feels longer, but not in a bad way. It's right. Like, it feels like you you see, it feels like you truly have sat with them for the each day that you're with them. It's right. like, I feel like I saw everything that they said today. Because, like, it's... What I'm saying, like, it's, it's an expert um, bit of editing. Uh, and, like, because when you see a documentary like this where it's basically entirely archival footage you don't think of it as filmmaking but the filmmaking is in understanding how to edit this into a cohesive story you know the 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 guys that are uh, filming it the camera the camera guys michael lindsey hogg's crew like so they're they're getting such great shots so like and i'm probably getting a little bit advanced because it's the end of the first episode but when paul and george have that huge blowout and it's not even a blowout because it's very understated no one gets there's no loud voices yeah it's just George is done. He's like, I think you need. He goes, I think you need Eric Clapton, you know. And it's like, because he's like, you know, fuck you. Yeah. Like I can't, I can't do it this way. Yeah. And but they get this one shot of George Harrison and his eyes, and he's staring off into the distance, and you could tell he's fucking done. And then the next moment is George pretty much quit that day. What, what's what's fascinating about it is like there's so many shots like that where like there'll be a lingering shot on George's face or a, a shot of like. Yoko looking at them, or, and it's like it almost feels like it was shot from the perspective of the modern day, where it's like, we, like, like them knowing that they needed to get this shot because it's going to have significance to the history of the Beatles, like the the the, the future of the Beatles. You know what I mean? So like, modern, it's, it's so just, modern day was what I wanted to bring up. So this made me want to rewatch uh, George Harrison's documentary, the Martin Scorsese documentary. Was it All Things Must Pass? Uh, living in the Material living, World. Oh yeah, yeah. So they have footage of the Let It Be sessions, Get Back sessions. And it's so fuzzy and grainy. Yeah. So like, I want you to watch it just so you could be like, "Holy shit!" But I've seen, I've seen that. Uh, no, but like recently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like so you can compare because they have that scene where it's the argument from this different angle, and it looks like you're looking at it underwater. <laughs> and so it's like that's just like another testament to technology that we have at hand. Well, yeah. Um, 
Peter Jackson being who he is in terms of like one of the proponents of digital filmmaking and like uh um computer generated uh not right. just CGI what a workshop or yeah, whatever but, you want to Yeah, but not just CGI but also like um computer assisted filmmaking uh-huh. you know what I mean? in the sense of like not just like adding in elements that aren't there but using computers to um adjust and uh, uh correct or improve footage that exists in this case um the digital retouching um uh that allows it to look um almost like something that shot it looked like it came out the other day what i will say for that is i think it's a brilliant it's a smart choice to do like cause you, like you said the, the 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 classic footage with all the the film grain on it um is not as uh easy to um Parts, you know, it's 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 a well, little so bit. It's clear. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, so yeah. it's it it, it will, the especially if you're gonna watch this for eight hours, it's gonna lose so much if you have to watch grainy, um, bad footage. But I think there is a, a element of some of it where it, like it, it's overdone in spots. It, it's not. It's not. It's not the fault of using digital techniques. Is that Can like you give me a for instance? There are times when they don't look real. Like like the, really. Like if you look at um, it gets so um. It loses detail on certain, um, like uh, sometimes you look and it, you look at uh, like John's hair and it's just like it's just brown. Like I mean, it's just like a, like a streak of brown. Interesting. And it, it, it's not a bad thing. It's 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 not. The I fault. didn't notice. I I didn't. I mean, maybe I wasn't looking as close as you were. Um, it's not it's not his fault in terms of uh like it's not a bad idea to do this. It's just one of the 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 consequences of like it's not intended for this to happen. Like the grain is supposed to be a part of it. I mean, right. obviously the footage wasn't in the best shape. So it, there was a certain amount of, but I think it's a brilliant choice because it allows it to feel contemporary and allows it to be something like, I will watch this for eight hours because if, it, if, like you said, if the, if the footage is, um, isn't as clear, like why, why I don't like, even if it's good, like there's, there's so much good stuff in here. Right. You wouldn't even want to want to, you wouldn't want to watch it. So I think it's a, a smart choice. He also did a similar thing with, um, the uh the World War One. What's it called? They 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 will never return home. home yeah, they like they will always be remembered or whatever it is. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, no, that. no. I'm, uh, I mean, we can look it up. I should have looked that up. I didn't think about. Yeah, it. We can cut this part out while we look um, it up. Yeah. Uh, it's called. They will always be remembered. They shall not grow old. We right. we were like right dancing around. Yeah, it. and it's. Um, I mean, that's the thing that uh that was very good. I thought that was interesting. Uh, I like the added dialogue, like adding like. Uh, they were reading lips, and then they would have people kind of be like, "Hey, look, a cannon! <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, look, a bomb! It's oh, like that uh, birthday boy sketch where he's like, uh, <laughs> my shoe, my shoe! <laughs> it's actually very easy. <laughs> it's actually very De- no, definitely. But um, well, I think this is better done mainly because they're not trying to. I don't know how much. I mean, this there had to be some color grading. Right. And color retouching here. But um, with the, they will not grow old, uh, they shall not grow old footage, they were completely just adding in color. So it's, it's, right. it's, um, it's imagining what the color would have been based on um, whatever images they had and, and, and uh, whatever. Right. It's over, it's, it's over 100 year old footage they were dealing with. Yeah. So it's like, you know, what was it? World War I was 1914 and 1918. So, I mean, and I did, like, of course you notice that it's been. Uh, enhanced, for you know, lack of a better term, but it. I think. I think kind of what it what it does is it, it helps you dive in deeper. Yeah, I didn't like that. One of the things I didn't like about the World War One footage was that it was all like letterboxed. Like, yeah, they didn't stretch it out because they couldn't. Yeah, but that's so. I watched this on an yeah, HD TV, too much. and it was like, I felt like I was in the room with them. 
What I mean, yeah. So uh, I want to talk a little bit more about crafting. We're gonna really get into like yeah. the, the 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 meat of it because there's there's so much. Right. Um. But yeah, I just wanted to talk about like um, like I was saying like, how do you decide what to cut? Like, I mean, because like like I said, so much of it is like them just kind of goofing off. Like like you said, the 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 task of like, okay, I can cut out this. Like, cause like what? Cause even with eight hours, there's. St- that means there's uh, without, 52 so, hours of footage that So without make getting it. into the meat of it, it's like, okay, I want to tell a cohesive story, uh, you know, and I have this certain amount of time. So whether, I don't know when they started with the idea of eight hours or they were like, all right, what of this tells the story? Because there's so much drama in the story, you know, uh, good, bad, other, whatever you want to call it. But one of the things, and I actually retweeted it today, somebody uh, posted it. And it's Paul McCartney, and he's starting out Get Back in front of George and Ringo. And he's got nothing. And it's a two-minute clip. And by 45 seconds to a minute, he has he the beginning has of song. Get yeah. Back. And it's like, holy fucking shit. Like, one of my one of my favorite songs, like, you know, uh, one of my favorite Beatles songs, one of my favorite songs. Excellent song. Like, and, but it, it's, it's fascinating on twofold. One, to just to see somebody come up with, I mean... A number one hit, mm. a classic song, a great song, before your eyes. Yeah. But also, because they're all geniuses in their own right. Right. You could say it, people shit on Ringo or whatever, but I think he, he has no, value. No, he was the drummer. He was the drummer for the band. Yes, he was he, the he drummer was they needed. What, yeah, yeah, but, yeah. But that aside, they because they're all so genius. Yeah. Like George is not interested. Like and, and 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 they're not even like at their lowest point yet. It's just like um not because he's not interested. It's just like this is commonplace. This is their process. Like so, so they've to, been doing this successfully yeah, for years. Yeah. So it, to see to see Paul McCartney come up with a brilliant um classic song uh on the spot isn't isn't um. Is it amazing to him anymore? You know what I mean, necessarily. Right. It's it's it's. But it's, to us. Yeah. What I'm saying. It's like um. Because the the other thing about it, and uh, I guess we can uh, just start to talk about um the actual content of it. Yeah. It's like, it's funny hearing some of these songs, knowing now. I mean, not knowing now, but like knowing that these songs. It's weird to say. It's weird, weird thing to say, but that these songs didn't exist when they made them. Because right. Like, like something like two two of us. Right. It's such a like um that sort of um. That guitar, those chords are so common in music now. It's got like it's, a country yeah, vibe to it. it to, I mean, and I'm not saying like everything the Beatles did was like an entirely original guitar riff, but right. it's, it's like, I don't know a world where that song doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. So to, to hear them creating it is like, it's like, like it's, 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 a, it's a fascinating thing to watch, like something that has like, I, did, I was born into a world where the Beatles were, I mean, I mean, you knew these songs for, were famous. Yes. Yeah. So to hear them being brand created, new. Yeah. Yeah. Um, is, it's just, it's just an amazing thing. There was a thing. So I, I was watching uh material world, the George Harrison documentary, and they talked to Paul McCartney and he goes, when they went to go write one of the albums, whatever it was, they go, okay, you and John have a week off, but you have a week to write all the songs for the album. So John Lennon and Paul McCartney got together and wrote all the songs and then brought them in to Ringo and George. And so they brought them in and were playing them for him, kind of the idea that, the, that they had, but then added like what was needed. So yeah. I, And I forget which song it was, so that kind of fucks my whole point up. But there was a song where George Harrison came in with this like guitar riff that was off the guitar riff that McCartney had, and it fits perfectly in the song. They just knew 
inherently what these songs needed yeah. to get them to the final result. Well, and, and that's another fascinating thing, too, is, um, um, I mean, one, this is just... The, the Beatles were innovators in a lot of different ways. Um, right. I mean, they, they evolved. Psychedelia with, was yeah. one of their big things. Yeah, and, and, they, and they evolved what pop music was. And also they evolved, like, they pioneered a lot of um, studio techniques, like overdubbing. And, right. Like, a, a, lot, a, lot, a lot of things that you do um, now that are commonplace. They, they always said they invented it, but they 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 necessitated its invention. You know what I mean? Like, they're like, we need a new way to do this because we want to do something more complex right. or, or different than it was before. Um, it always makes me wonder how much of George Martin was a part of that. Like, this sounds great, but yeah, what if you fucking we do two voices, the same voice here, and it adds that much more punch? Because like watching him in it, because it was like he was always the fifth Beatle or whatever it was. But it was like, what the fuck was he doing? Well, he yeah. brought in a bongo one time. Like <laughs> that's not anything. I don't think that's. Imp- I could have done that. Well, I, I think <laughs> I think part of it is um, it's like you said, it's it it's something that simple, but it makes difference like when you hear like because one of the things that fascinating the point i was making about the overdubbing and stuff is that with all even with all that stuff a lot of it was them jamming into like um something like get back um paul's coming at that on the spot but even stuff that that they um that or stuff that they 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 kind of had a little bit of the framework worked out and they brought it in it's like okay just sitting there um and okay, I'm gonna play off of what you're playing. Yeah. But a lot of times now, what we um, one guitar music, guitar based music is not as um prevalent. Right. So a lot of it is like um, artists making um. Are you referring to sampling? Is that what you're saying? Not sampling. Um, the production is complete a lot of the time okay. with artists now. Right. They, like come they come to the, to the studio, studio with completed songs. Yeah, and it's yeah, like maybe yeah, they yeah. might add an, um, uh, they might add a baseline or something, but like it's largely like. Which is crazy to me, considering that everything's done digitally, right? Yeah. So, like, if you were to do something in 1968, 69, whatever you want to talk about, you had to have actual tape that you were recording on. And tape costs money. So to go into the studio and be like, all right, hit record, we're going to come make a song. <laughs> like, well, you know, but, but, but that's part of the um, audacity of this project. You right. Know what I mean? And it's Because only- Apple Studio was fledgling. It wasn't anything yet. Yeah. I mean, of course, the Beatles were... You know, recording there, but it wasn't like it was making them tons of money yet. It was just an endeavor that they had well, just started. It's one of those started. things that um, uh, George, <laughs> is a funny line he says where he's like, uh, well, EMI is paying for it. He's, like, he's like, I don't care. Like, he's like, basically like, we're not paying for this tape. Like, this is EMI's tape. You know what I mean? Which is very funny. But it points to the fact that, like, I think a lot of bands couldn't do this. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's, they're in a, such a privileged position. By comparison, the Rolling Stones, right? So, like, when they were putting together, like, Beggar's Banquet or, like, Sticky Fingers, like, all the albums that were around this time, they notoriously had a hard time recording, like, uh, getting things together. Like, they have, there's a, that Muscle, uh, Muscle Shoals documentary yeah. that's on Netflix, and they recorded, like, uh, three, three of the biggest songs on Sticky Fingers at Muscle Shoals, but it was also, like, Keith Richards was really into heroin, like, there was all these drugs and shit like that, so it was... I can only imagine what the recording process was like for that, but they had to piece that together. So to have the the Beatles come in and just be like, like it's the funniest thing, like you never th- would think that th- it was like they had a day job. They good morning, and then they come in with fucking toast and tea, and you know that's how they like. You would think like after a long night of fucking partying, you know they come in 
in the evening and start like you know whatever. Yeah. But they were like very regimented. Yes, and they would like okay, that's it for the day. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, uh, They're like, is it lunch and then fucking hit the road? One of the things, um, uh, kind of getting off track, but uh, um. I'm not a huge Eminem fan currently. But right. He's very talented, uh, obviously. Rapper, yeah, he can whatever. have that, whatever. And, but <laughs> my point was, um, they talk about artists have worked with Eminem, and they say he that's how he treats the studio, his studio time. He's like, he comes in at 9, and he leaves at 5. He's like, and he's like, like, like sometimes, like, a guy, will, like, he'll be working with a rapper, and they'll, they'll come in, like, uh, at 5, or, like, they just came in at 4, and they're like, um, Eminem leaves the studio, and they're like, where's he going? He's like, he's going home. And they're like, what do you mean? <laughs> he's like, like, this is his job. He, he, he treats it like, and like, it, it it's actually a very effective way. I mean, obviously, you see the. It's a smart way to approach it. Well, because it's like, okay, this is when we work. Right? And so, like, when we're in here, like, and like, even though a lot of the goofing, like, a lot of it is goofing off, it's too. It's the brainstorming thing. It's like, like we so gotta. So I think that brings it back to your point about like, what footage do you choose? So I'm sure there's a lot of it, just like you know, Ringo, almost asleep at the drum kit, but it's them hammering out a song. You know what I mean? So it could be. There's a bunch more things going on in between that you're just like, we don't need this, we don't need this, we don't need this. Oh, put this together, this makes sense. We don't need this, we don't need this. Oh, okay. Yeah, but even then, because like it's like it's like like there are especially in the third, second and third episode, there's so many instances of them, of them just playing the same song over and right. over and over. Well, and so over. I was talking to Fanoia, and he was like, if I hear like one after nine oh nine again, and it was like, <laughs> what the funny thing to me is. I've been listening to that, uh, the Super Deluxe album. I've been listening album. to Let It Be yeah. nonstop. And, I, and like all the different, like the John, I, I know the we're Glenn getting Johns. into the, uh, the Glenn Johns cuts. And they're definitely understated. Uh, and I don't know if they've done things with that dub where they, like, ta- they've taken away from the orchestral background of Long and Winding Road. Because it doesn't seem as syrupy, you know, yeah. as a word, to steal a word <laughs> from, you know, all yeah. those like bad reviews or whatever it was. Because that's another thing, too, that I think is fascinating. That, like album was vilified paul mccartney hated fucking hated phil Spector's version of let it be yeah but he just had to make something of it and like when you listen to these other versions without the, the lennon non sequiturs and maybe it's overproduced maybe they try to make it he, here's, here's the thing with the, uh, the specter version i feel i don't think the entire album is overproduced i think there are a few instances where it's super overproduced that kind of undercuts what the, uh, the rest of the project is because like the reason why like like the longer winding road is like th- kind of um especially Paul McCartney's thinking but a lot of people was like that's the one they point to was like like what did you do to this song right. is because it's trying to what I my take on it is that what Spectre is doing it's almost not respecting like the the emotional depth of the original song where it's like he's mm-hmm. trying to add all these strings and all this emotion it's like the emotion is there it's, it's there he's like, he's like I because Paul talks about I envision this as a piano ballad and it's all there you know what I mean like it's like I, like the, the strings obviously those str- strings you know pull at your heartstrings right uh, kind of well wh- automatically. I mean I think it's George uh, of course George Harrison's doing that uh, guitar solo and like that one that they hit and it's perfect yeah, yeah, it's, it's so like, good. So it's right like there. it's like it's like I think his thing is like it's not even so much that it's over because like because uh, uh, we were talking to our friend BJ about it. He's like, uh, well, a lot of the Beatles shit is overproduced. I was like, I wouldn't say overproduced. I would say it's there's um it's uh layered and and deep. You know what I mean? And it's like this is one. This is a song that already had the depth that 
Phil Spector thinks he's adding to it. Right. You know what I mean? So it's like like the 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 violins and the whatever else, the cello, whatever. It's like I, it doesn't need it. You know I mean? it's this this song is so sweet and tender already. What you're doing is like trying to make it like a, a bombastically right. fucking um like like just try to like like, like I'm already crying. <laughs> like I don't need to like you know we I mean? need, I don't need more to be tears. In a, yeah, I don't need to be in a fetal position. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, well, so like, but the, the interesting thing is is that they all kind of went to Phil Spector afterwards to produce their solo albums. All Things Was Passed, the George Harrison album, was produced by Phil Spector. Yeah. And Phil Spector produced a couple, I think, Double Fantasy, uh, the John Lennon album. Like, uh, like, that's pretty... Well, I think, I think, because, like, and again, the, the Long and Wide and Road thing is, like, it's it's in juxtaposition to the other songs. Like, if you listen to um, even Two of Us or Dig a Pony well, or whatever, so, so like one of those the songs are so sparse. One of the things I like is they, uh, after Long and Winding Road, I think it's Maggie May. And it's it's uh, that like it's a traditional song that John and Paul sing together, and it's like a pub rock song. Yeah. But it just it works so well with going from this like you know ethereal long and winding road and the journey that it takes you on and your brain and your emotions, and it's like oh dirty Maggie, and it just it works like it's like it's putting bread on a sandwich, right? So it's like you're giving like some songs are the bread. Long and winding road is the meat, and then this next one's a little bit more bread at yeah. the bottom, you know. And like it makes, because like even if you make a playlist as you know, just a casual fan of music, if you're gonna make like instead of just being like, oh, I want to put a thousand songs on a playlist, if you're gonna do something where it takes you, you kind of want if you're DJing, you want it to flow. There's got to be a ebb and flow. There's got to be a, a kind of. Um, We've talked about that with comedy. Yeah, like where a, 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 your set gotta, has to make sense. Yeah. So like ideally. Yeah, you couldn't have ten long and winding roads. It's like like right. Like, you couldn't put "Let It Be" after long and winding road. Yeah, like you know what I mean. Like even like um, if you think of somebody like um, like Adele, right? I don't know how familiar with like her album. Yeah, I, I've never listened to a full but, album. But it's like Adele, she'll have something super heavy, but she also have like something like "Rolling in the Deep," where it's like that's kind of an upbeat, like fun. Not, not one thing. Let's say I had fun. no idea she had any fun songs. I thought they were all no, no. She had because like like well, that's that's kind of like a lot of her singles are very like um kind of like deep like um ways for her to kind of show off her singing talent and i'm also yeah. like a lot of her stuff sorry stuff is heavy and, and sad but right. she had like like uh, you you you've probably heard rolling in the deep before you just can't yeah play. yeah but it's, like, it's 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 an upbeat song but you don't think of adele when you think but like, like that that's what you need to have. like she understands that and that her producers understand that like to make an album, you can't just be weeping the entire right. time. You know what I mean? I I think, and I know everyone loves the song, uh, the Skyfall song is so silly because <laughs> he's like Skyfall and just like I'm like whoa whoa. I love that them. song. I know, but it's just like I'm like, what the fuck is happening in this movie? But let's <laughs> think about the Bond songs. Like, like they're silly. Like I mean, like it's like, right. I don't think it's like the like. It's like like if, like w- like watching eight hours of her making that song <laughs> would it be fascinating? You know I mean? Like that documentary is not fascinating. Right, it's not, it's not one of the great pieces of songwriting ever. Right. I think the song is well done for what it is. You know what I mean? Right. It's like uh, the intro to Bond, yeah, like, shooting people like the and very whatever. Nature of like most of those Bond songs that are like this kind of overwrought like depth. It's like this is a he's a but fucking guy who I- has gadgets. The iconic Bond theme, bang, bada, bang, bang. Like that's a fucking that's a great like yeah, but tune. But, but, but yeah. you're not gonna listen to it. Yeah. over and over. Yeah, and, and it's over also like it's, that's a uh, it's a score right, piece right, right. rather rather than like or Peter Gunn. Bow, 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 bow. Yeah, bow, bow, bow. Like it's like oh, this is fun, but it's like I'm not listening to this all the fucking time. Yeah. 
Off, yeah, totally off track. That was my fault. No, 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 no. Totally <laughs> fine. Um, my, the, the whole point was just like, uh, like the ebb and flow. Yeah, um, the way. Yeah, the way. Yeah, you want like peaks and valleys. Yeah, and like I still, I mean mine. That was one of my fa- and, and like uh, you, you know when he comes in and George is like, I was watching TV last night and I came up with this song and it's like, oh my god, the song is so good. Yeah, and there's like. You don't want to say there's nothing to it because there's so much to it. He came in with an almost a fully prepared song, and all he did was add like a rock and chorus. Yeah, where they say "I'm Mine" over and over again with the whole band joining in. Yeah, like that's one of my favorite songs on that album. Yeah, but that's one of the most fascinating things of. Uh, so, one of the things I like about this movie, uh, this series, um, yeah. is you don't have to necessarily like the Beatles to enjoy this. On in terms of the creative process, right? Being a fan helped. One hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's it's like, but I'm saying like, like you could be somebody who's kind of loosely familiar with the Beatles and like, or doesn't necessarily like. I'm not a huge fan. Like, I was talking to um, uh, our friend, uh, uh, fellow comedian uh, Frankie Hill. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's like, I'm not even a Beatles guy, but like watching. Um, but he has great taste in music, and he also like is a fan of music, like behind the scenes and otherwise. So he would have something to lend he's to about, that I think conversation. He's about, uh, get back, but he's like, like just watching them come up with that. Is like, it's you, you can't not because like it's the it's um my, my the thing I love most about it is watching the creative process. Right, uh-huh. watching like you said, like when do you decide? Okay, George, you gonna you gonna George, you come in too. All three of us are singing. When do you decide, okay, I wrote this song and I want Ringo is the only person who sings on this song. When do you decide, okay, this needs a bass line. When do you, when do you decide this needs electric piano versus grand piano? Because sometimes, sometimes that's, a, that's a decision made. But it was almost innate. Like, so there's, uh, you know, it's John singing the song and Paul's listening and, you know, uh, Ringo's sitting there at the drum kit and, like, John's playing guitar and George is kind of playing with him and Paul is, like, playing the bass and you can't even tell that he's playing the bass because it's not standing out. Beyond, he's just keeping the rhythm. Yeah. And then, and that's another thing too, like I think is so funny, like bands that suck, like local bands that I <laughs> see, like just as a comparison, like, because like I used to do an open mic at a, uh, uh, you know, music space and people would come in and, and do original music, but it was like jam music. And like, so I love a bunch of jam bands. So get me like some of their songs, but they're popular songs. But like when you're not using the drums and the bass to drive the song, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah. Right? And I know, like, I'm not the biggest, like, freeform jazz guy, and that's kind of, like, there's no discernible rhythm to that. But if you're going to make a, a pop song, a rock song, whatever the fuck you're making, there's, that's why I love hip-hop so much. They take the bass and the drum out of a song, out of whatever song it is, and then they just follow the lead. They just keep laying it over and over again. And, like, that's the base of great songwriting in my mind. I mean, I could be a million miles off, but that's what... Paul McCartney knows. That's what Ringo knows. Yeah. This is the bass groove they need for this moment. This is the drum. This is where we need these fills. And this is just kind of how it goes. Yeah, but like, like, yeah, like that's what I'm saying. That's, what, that's what's fascinating. But like, even there's moments where it's like, okay, this doesn't need grand piano. This needs electric piano. You know what I mean? Like, but like sometimes Billy Preston, dude. Sometimes and I, I want to <laughs> talk so much about him. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But like sometimes them deciding, like sometimes it comes from like just innately. Sometimes it decides like, okay, we were playing grand piano and that sucks. Right. So get that out of there. It's too... But we do need piano. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's like, or like, well, there's something about the electric organ that is, it makes a gorgeous sound. And if you kind of know where to put the fills in, like, don't let me down without Billy Preston's uh, organ. I don't know if it's the same song. 
Dude, I mean, <laughs> just magnificent stuff. And like, I know that wasn't on the album, but you know, there was recording during yeah, those sessions. And it's one of my favorite songs for them. And it's like, it's, it's like, it makes me mad that it's not on the album. But like, I mean, he's just, I mean, w- he was 23 years old, yes. which is another thing I, I want to talk was, about. I was looking that up too. It was like, uh, like, I mean, they, first of all, they were all so young. Dude, like, he met him in 1962 when he was in Germany. He yeah. was on tour. Like, that means he was 18. Yeah. What? <laughs> it's nuts. And and he and, and they were talking about him at that time. They already considered him as great as they, like they had the, the the reverence for him then that they have currently. Yeah. When he was eighteen, you know what I mean? Yeah. But uh, one of the things I wanted to say is I love how much John was like. I really want him to be a Beatle. Like I'm not. I'm not just saying like he should be the fifth Beatle. You know I mean like, and like and and, and but especially one. Because he's so talented. Two, yeah. because he's black. and I well, Actually, that's one for me, because right. he's black. You know what I mean? That was important to me, too, and yeah. I'm a white guy. You know what I'm just saying? <laughs> but, like, that's like... Right. And then, but three, I think one of the most fascinating things about this documentary, and I want to stay on Billy Preston, but I just... Yeah, kinda, of course. Um, is that they are having these conversations. You know what I mean? And it says that, like, they are aware of the fifth Beatle title. They are aware of, like... When they're reading the uh, the paper and uh, like what's being like, because sometimes you think these people are so insulated from like they don't know how we talk about them, right? Like, all the stuff. Is, is stuff well, that, they were reading the newspaper about them. And I'm saying, yeah, like they're reading yeah, that yeah, story yeah. and it's like, uh, oh, so John didn't. Oh, they, I didn't know. Like, they, I like, There's no blows thrown. We never fought. Like, right. Like, um, but uh, so I love that they, they they actually they would actually have a conversation about who is going to be the fifth Beatle, and it should be this fucking amazing kid. The the wildest thing, and I mean, I you know we're getting all over the place, but I'm fine with it. I don't know if you have like a discernible like where you want to go, but when George quits, they get him back through having a conversation. Well, there's the conversation because I want to talk about the fucking hidden mic <sighs> scene too. It's so much because that frank thing. conversation when he's like, "We've always known you were the leader, and I was kind of the other one, but you were the one that was leading the." You know, you were the boss of the whole thing. And John's like, yeah, I was. <laughs> you yeah. know? And he's like, yeah. But he's just like, when they get George back, and then Billy Preston, sh- did he show up of his own accord? Like, oh, the Beatles are. I think he was in London, and then I think um, I think He was George... doing something. He was recording, like, a TV show or something. Yeah, he was shit. doing, he was doing and some he, TV And he came through because they were homeboys from 1962. Yeah. But then they, like, said, like, come back, come by or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, and He just, just sits changes, down. It changes the fucking world. Like, if you, like, well, it's, like, like, it was like they brought in a new dude. They loved him. And it was like, oh, like, well, it's just like, let's focus on our friendship with Billy Preston. And it, oh, yeah, and it, and it helped their, because um, it helped their dynamic. You know what I mean? Like having this other guy, like it's it, he, he lifted their spirits, like just by the, like, I mean, I mean, he's just an affable guy, but also his his play like changed those songs. It changed the the, and, and they were also they were, they were already in the process of starting to you know kind of loosen up again. But so before Billy Preston even shows up. It's George Harrison is talking about going to see um, Ray Charles. Yeah. And he goes, Ray Charles doesn't even play the organ anymore. Yeah. He and goes, he Billy Preston yeah. does for him. He goes, does, and did he say, does he say we should get him in here? Or does I he? I think he does, yeah. And, he allude, and then he shows up, and he's just like, you feel it on the film. This, like, light energy comes in. No, absolutely. And it's everyone's like, so happy to see him. Like, even John Lennon, who I would consider to be somewhat surly, as funny as he is, he has a very like surly disposition, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like he doesn't seem like someone I would like really want to be friends with. Like I don't want to be friends with probably Ringo and George Harrison, and then McCartney would just probably not like me. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you like what the fuck is this? Is why is he laughing so much? You know? <laughs> but um, that was co- to see him come in, and they're so happy, and they're like, Billy, sit down, and we got some fucking songs we want you yeah. to jump in on. And he just rips it like he like this immediately from the gets beginning. It. Yeah, like, like not like how f- like. 
so you're a super accomplished musician, and the Beatles asked you to sit down. You're 23 years old. Wouldn't you be terrified? But they must have just had that. Well, I mean, but he's also, but, but also, he's already been playing with Ray Charles. I mean, like, right. like, that's the thing. That's the thing. It's like you can tell. And the reverence that the Beatles had for Ray Charles. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to talk about that as well because Quest Quest Love had a couple great tweets about yeah. uh, that. But um, the I think it's one of those things where it's like he's clearly happy to be there and he's clearly um, honored, but he's also like. I want to contribute. It's, yeah, I want to contribute, and it's a mutual respect. They they wouldn't have him there if he wasn't that good, right? And he's like, I'm not. I'm gonna show. Like, like I'm good. You know what I mean? Like, like, like. Yeah. And 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 also knowing him from 1962, they have like it's not the same as like um if he was a new guy. They just like they like let's let's say. Billy Preston burst onto the scene in 1968, right? Right. Very talented guy, and they said, "Come by the studio." But they hadn't they hadn't met him in Germany before. It's a different relationship because, like, he knew them before they were the Beatles. Right. You know I mean, he knew them before they like were the took over the world. He knew them as these guys that we they played right. with in Germany. They so were like, punks yeah. for all intents and purposes. Yeah. yeah. So it's like he, he, he. I'm sure he has a reverence, like or like a um, he has a respect for them, and a uh, he feels like. Like accomplished because like yeah, they asked me to come, but also it's not like um like oh my god like I never thought I would be like, like I've I've been here. In, when you in, think in about way. though like Little Richard, who was another you know the Beatles loved Little Richard to no end, like playing with Little Richard in 1962, probably nothing was bigger than that because yeah. like that's when the Beatles were kind of getting on. Yeah, that was like, until 1963 was when they really like yeah that was Beatlemania and shit when, um, like that. What's it? Uh, Epstein uh, signed them. Yeah, yeah. I, I, is that what year it was? Was it 63? Yeah. Because the Br- I thought the British invasion was sixty four, right? Was that initially what it was? Where it was the Rolling Stones and the Beatles and when they came to uh, the U S. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because um, uh, they came to Shea Stadium in sixty five, but like they started to take over like the Europe in um, I think it was sixty three. Because like all their cover songs, um, you know those albums with the cover songs like the girl group stuff and Chains and all those different things. Because yeah. that that was another thing too. So a bunch of the girl group stuff that they covered. Was you know the Phil Spector girl groups that he was producing all those like Wall of Sound girl group albums? So, oh yeah. fuck, I can't even think of the name of them. I should have wrote those down. I wrote down everything else except for that. What else did I write down? Mal Evans. That was that big guy, the one that was playing the anvil uh, on the uh, a song that did not make Let It Be. Um, Maxwell oh, Silver Hammer. Hammer. Yeah. And like, did you see how like Munchie was smiling when he like hits the anvil twice with his hammer and he's like. Yeah, he's like, I'm on a Beatles album, dude. Like, even even being like working with him for all the time, he's like, I'm fucking contributing to it. Like, because like, like, yo, and he stuck out like a sore thumb. Yeah. He was the biggest dude. He looked like <laughs> Tim Heidecker. I mean, not Tim Heidecker. I'm um, fucking Eric Wareheim. Yeah. yeah, this big goofy guy like walking around, he's like bringing in tea and fucking picking people up. Yeah, because like, it's one of the things that like, I work with the Beatles, but it's also like, um, they let me be on their album. You know, we had like, a haircut like or Anton Chigurh, like in 1968. Because it's like, um, they could have had anybody hit. Them. <laughs> Never, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I'm honored. <laughs> Yo, wouldn't it be funny if that was some of the footage that they had was like wheeling in the anvil for 11 minutes? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's when it would be like, okay, this is over. This, this is too, too much. Long. They yeah, didn't yeah. have much yeah. to go. Well, that's the thing. Nothing feels uh, like it wasn't necessary. Yes, uh, uh, and like going back to the part of like so much of it is repetitive. It's purposeful to show them this is the process. The goofing off. The I love when they're doing um, uh, two of us. It's yeah. just increasingly weirder voices, and it's like in a Scottish we're voice. Going, yeah. We're on our way, high. <laughs> <laughs> we're going high. 
Mm. Well, it's like impulsive. Like, you know, my uncle used to sing this to me. He would get drunk and he'd start, he'd be like, I'm going home. Yeah. <laughs> um, talking about Little Richard, talking about Ray Charles. Uh, Questlove had one of the things he said on Twitter was, um, I can put up the tweet, but the gist of it was basically like, um, this documentary proves that rock and roll came from black people. Right. In the sense that, like, Every time they felt stuck, they would start playing one of their favorite songs, a little Richard song. But that was one of the great touches, I thought, um, where they gave credit to every song that they sang. Yeah. So, like, below it was however, you know, the PGA, uh, whatever it may be, whoever the producer, the creator of the song was, that I thought that that was incredible. Because, yeah, of course. I mean, jazz music was created by black people in New Orleans in whatever year it was. Rock and roll was created slightly afterwards. Well, that's another thing, too. Uh, I, I think we might have talked about it on this. Uh, Ike Turner uh, is credited with writing one of the first rock and roll songs in like 1955, like something 88, I forget what it was. But he didn't get any credit for it because he wrote it for the band he was in. And then it just like, you know, before they'd be giving credit, you know, because it was the people that were the managers that were getting all the credit and all the money for it. Yeah. But he created a rock and roll song back then and didn't get any credit. But that's, I mean, that's and, just... And he's a great guy. Ike? <laughs> Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> totally kidding. No, I know, but he, like, and I, th- I forget who was talking to him about it, and it was probably on this podcast. But he, uh, he had a really hard life too. Like as as hard as Tina Turner's uh, life was, and Ike didn't make it any easier. Uh, he had a fucking hard life too. Yeah, well, it's one of those like hurt people, hurt people sort of things, you know? Right. Which is why you know I'm a help people, help people. <laughs> You're a help person. Yeah, unless you send me nudes, then I don't know what to do. <laughs> I'm not reciprocating. I look bad when I'm naked. <laughs> <laughs> you got to keep that in. I know. Um, <laughs> what are you trying to figure out? Yeah, I'm just I'm just finding that uh, quest left tweet. Oh, okay. It must have been to- uh, a couple of days ago, if I had to guess. Yeah, it says and. Uh, this doc will prove once and for all that black people really were the architects of rock because in these documented nine hours, John's go-to comfort zone is Barry and Wap Bop Baluba, Pennyman. Whenever stuck, he goes right back to the 50s playlist of his teen years. And it's like, it's one of the things I love um, also, um, documentaries like this, is like seeing, it's like one of the, the um, seeing talented people be fans of talented people. Yeah. Like, me and you always go back to the video of uh, Most Def, um, Talking about how much he loves Doom and like yes. he's in the studio and he's like rapping uh, Doom bars and shit. He's rapping uh, over and over. Yeah, like I mean, he's just beef like rap and shit. The most incredible. He's like he's fucking a, like a fanboy. Um, love hearing him talk about different artists and like be um, just overjoyed talking about like how talented. Like yeah, because you kind of think of like uh, um, talented people and like successful people as like. Um, they they think they, they think that they're the shit. Right. I think one of the things that um, white people so rock and roll for black people. Sure. Agree. But I think the Beatles were always conscious of the fact that they they. Well, there's the, I don't know if it's the Beatles or uh, if it's uh, I think it's a Rolling Stones documentary where they're on some English um, you know, rock and roll show and they brought either Chuck Berry or uh, you know, Little Richard, whoever it is, and they're talking to um. What's his uh, Mick Jagger, and then the other Mick uh, from the Rolling Stones, Mick Jones. Yeah, and he's like, "How do you feel about Mick, Chuck Berry?" And they're Mick like, e. Mouse. and he goes, and he goes, and he goes, <laughs> and he goes, he goes, "How about you shut up and just bring him on?" Yeah, like they know they loved their influences, yeah. and I don't think they would ever. There's a great like uh, movie documentary. 
It's called Hail, Hail, Rock and Roll, and it's about Chuck Berry. It came out in the 80s, and it was made by Keith Richards. And it was kind of like telling stories about Chuck Berry and like all the music and where it came from, and that's where he got his style and all this. Those guys shit. were like, I mean, those guys were God to right. To these guys, because yeah, I mean, like they they have Chuck Berry, and Little Richard, and all when those guys. Th- yeah. uh, when you think about music back then, it was very tame. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, and they when, were like just like completely like um, radical. You know what I mean? Yes. Like, like they were doing something completely new, and like you couldn't do this. Before. There was, and there's so much soul to it. You know what I mean? In quotation marks, like. Uh, it's hard to exp- when something feels forced or uh, like not genuine, like like music. Like that's one of those things. Like Bruno Mars to me, he's got that Anderson Pock like a bunch of that album they made together, and it just made me hate Bruno Mars and realize how incredibly talented uh, Anderson Pock was. Yeah, because he's like bringing it, like he's all soul. Whereas Bruno Mars is like this, like he's like a gold record. Like he's just yeah, he's, like he's a package. Yeah. He's, he's like, yeah, he's too, he doesn't feel like he's too smooth. He, he, he can do a great facsimile of different, better artists, right? But Michael he's not Jackson like, yeah. and Prince and all these different things. But it's like, yeah, I'd rather have the real deal. Right. You know what I mean, I Pac like, is doing his own thing. Yeah, it's, it's, it's coming from and a different place. So like place. that was the thing I think they gravitated towards. Like, it's just, it's, it's coming from great music comes from the soul. Right. And to uh, bring it back to the Beatles to, uh, to get back. It's like, this is just, them, they're trying to make an album, but it's like, it doesn't feel disingenuous. They're like, we're going to find the rhythm, and then we're going to go with it, and then from there, we're going to write a song around it. Yes. And it's like, that's feels like, like, I'm not, I love music. I wish I could play an instrument. I'm not musical. I wish I understood. Dude, I, because like this, the process, even like, like, like if you were watching a documentary about a comedian coming up with jokes, it's not fat. Like I could never watch eight hours because like it, th- like the end result or like the process of getting there is not as like. I get so much enjoyment of just hearing like these kind of demos of these songs coming to life, and it's like it's not as like there, there would be laughs, but like a lot of it is like internal. Yeah, you know I mean, I guess you could like you could have a process where you you speak it all out loud, but I think uh, with I music, last, not to make it about me, but last night. Uh, Cody went up and he told his joke about uh, when girls squirt, it's pee. Uh-huh. Right? So then, like in my brain, I thought, oh, when whales shoot water out of the top of their spouts, that's them orgasming. Uh-huh. And I was like, so at SeaWorld, when they have the whales squirt water out of the top, there's someone underneath the lady <laughs> whales. <laughs> you know, they have like gigantic, you know, waterproof dildos yeah. that are like pleasing these whales so they can shoot cum <laughs> out of the top of their heads. But like, so uh, what's it called? Uh, Mo Musa came up to me, goes, did you just come up with that? I go, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Like, but that's just how, like, I didn't need a guitar. You basically <laughs> say you are Paul McCartney. Yeah. No, I'm yeah. John Lennon if I'm anything. Because <laughs> I'm a surly motherfucker. Um, <laughs> another thing that was great about this documentary is seeing how much joy they, especially John and Paul, had around, being around each other. Like because like, Did you really think that? I thought that John Lennon was clowning Paul McCartney for a bunch of like, when he's like lip syncing to the camera, I... Th- I always thought that their relationship was competitive. You thought it was fun? Yes, because here's the thing. Okay, bring it. There I want because I want to believe they love I each think, other. I think I think there are is there are times when he's mocking him, and I think there are times when they're mocking George and even Ringo, right? But I think it's if you're sitting in a studio with these these 
remember, these guys are best friends for years, right? Right. There is going to be times when you're annoyed with your best friend. Right. But like, think about this. This is this is this is legendarily the most contentious time in um in the history of the Beatles. Like, I mean, like they they fell apart a couple times, and then uh, next year they were gone. They, mm-hmm. they never, I mean, they played they played their last concert ever in this. They were writing so. Uh, Abbey Road came out before yeah. Let It Be Di- uh, Let It Be Dip. Yeah. So they recorded all those things. Then they put out Abbey Road, and then they broke up. And I think they put out Let It Be. Let It Be. So what I'm saying is, this is the period of time when they're they're destroyed. Like this is this this is this is the end. And yet, so much of this documentary is them two locking eyes, mm. playing across from each other, and having they're having a great time. Like mm. you you could see like. The, when they're doing um, two of us and they're just doing those goofy voices, you don't do that if you like truly hate this guy. Like if you don't want to be a, like like they, because they could have gone in there and just like let's just fucking assembly line this shit and get the fuck out of here. Right. They spent more time in the studio than they needed to. They sp- they they extended this like let's let's stay here for a few more days. Let's move from Twickenham to here. And, like let's they I think they I think well they cared about the end product right. But I think I think they also were having fun like um. As much as there are times when you could, like, especially the first episode, like, I mean, it's just like, it's so tense. Right. But I, I think that third and episode. And that's what's remarkable about the editing is that they catch that tenseness. Yeah. And there's like, so the whole lead up is to the rooftop concert that we know happens and then the assembled album. So it's like, it's one of those things where waiting that long for the rooftop concert made it so much more enjoyable. Yeah, if that makes any sense. No, yeah, I think I mean by the by like twenty minutes into the third episode, I'm like I'm just salivating for this concert. I'm like, like bring me this fucking concert. I know it's gonna happen, but it's and like you know what else too? Because like they have like dress rehearsal and all these things on that calendar. Yeah. that they keep bringing up, which I thought. So there's like there's tricks that they use. That's what I'm saying like it's it, it's it's filmmaking, dude. It's like it's like that's that that is like f- framing the story. Um, putting you in the context of witnesses, the type of calendar they use because it looks yeah. like a calendar from nineteen sixty-eight. Yeah. Like, and then the like the marks of the marker crossing off the dates. Yeah, and like like the like okay, this is supposed to be like like the deadline is here, and like they're supposed to record. This is supposed to be the concert supposed to be. This is where the show supposed to be here. Excellent stuff. What I'm saying is, watch that third episode again. Uh, I'm not gonna say actually. No, I I, I, I I highly intend, but on watching it again, they're having a lot of fun. Like. And like you can see, like why they became the Beatles. Like you can see, like why these two guys they had to fight. Like th- I'm not like a very spiritual guy, but like the the universe brought these two motherfuckers together, dog. Like like look at them sitting across from each other. Like because so much of that, so much of them in the studio is like reminiscing about songs they love, reminiscing about fucking dumb jokes that they have, letting John just say nonsense. And then they like they're la- like even when they're like like there's they'll have a conversation about like. I don't know if we're gonna do the fucking the rooftop show, man. I don't, like, I'm, not, I'm not really digging it, man. And then five, like now, now obviously there's a period of time that's cut out because of for editing, but like it might be an hour later, it might have been five minutes later, it might have been three hours later. But they're back to being friends, playing, and like yes, it was never gonna. We know the Beatles fucking broke up, but like I think they talk so much about like they found it again, mm. being making this album. Like once they left Twicken and Studios and they came to Apple Studios, they found, like, because they, they, they talk so much about, we haven't played in the studio together for so long. We don't play music Well, they anymore. talk about, they go, what was the last single that we released? And they go, it was, um, Hey Jude. Yeah. And it's like, oh, oh, Hey Jude, one of the greatest fucking rock and roll songs that's ever and existed. And they forgot. And they were like, yeah, oh, uh, Hey Jude. Oh, yeah. It's like, how do you follow that up? What song do you, co- like, but like, and not be, ch- like, 
the challenge, like I don't feel like they, um, like uh, so one of the things I like I wrote down was competition, John, uh, and uh, and Paul, right? So it was not about competing against their last greatest song, it was about them competing against each other. So you brought about uh, brought up the universe bringing everyone together. What I thought was one of the flooring, like bringing to the floor moments, was when uh, John Lennon's like, "I have a record of this song." And it's across the universe, which is one of the David Bowie covered it. So many people have covered it. But the lyrics to it. And did you ever read like into what that was kind of about? Yeah. He was married to when he was married to his first wife. Yeah. And she was like nagging him when he was in bed. And he said uh, the uh, the line uh, words are flowing into like a paper cup or like rain into a paper cup. Yeah. But it was a negative thing because she just kept talking. He said, I'm going to take this as a positive. And then create this, like, I mean, it's a perfect song. He brought a perfect, he's like, yeah. and I feel like that was kind of a fuck you to Paul McCartney. Like, oh, yeah, you got these couple of whatevers. He's like, here's a perfect song I wrote for you, you piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> no, you didn't take it that way? I, think I was amazed I, by that. I, think I was floored. I think that some of that might be there, but I, I, I feel like it's also like I wrote this song. Like, I want to believe you. I want to believe that I'm they were like, having look, the most fun. I'm not saying it's the most fun of their lives. I'm saying there are moments where they're reconnecting and they're remembering why they're friends. Right. Why the Beatles became. Because it's like, I uh, go back to another point I was making, um, is that they talk about like when the Beatles in the Quarrymen days, yeah. in the early days of the Beatles in, in Germany. 15, 16 years old. Yeah. It's like all they did was play music together. And this is one of the things about why bands break up and why, um, like, why this has to happen, right? You start as a band, right? It's, it's, it's also like why, like the same thing that happens. Like we, we, you're not friends with your high school friends anymore, or like right. you, 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 you're not as strong. It's like okay, you are young. All you have to do, all you do, and all you want to do is spend time to, with each other. Like right. let's say you go to the same school, right? You you spend all day in school together. You, you once you leave school, you spend the rest of the day together. So at this time, they're fifteen, sixteen. They meet. They're playing music all the time together, right? They they skip school. They talk about they skip school to go write songs, right? Then they they become a band, right? And they, now they're going to Germany, eight hours a night playing music. That's all they do. And then so when they leave, they don't know anybody in Germany. They're hanging out all the time. They start to get bigger, right? It's still happening, right? So the first the uh, first few albums, uh, please please me with the Beatles, help yeah. all that stuff. Um, Hard Day's Night. Um. Uh. That's that stuff's happening, right? And um, but they're still tight together right as they get bigger right there there's less time spent in the studio they're always they're always touring or whatever um and it, but it's also less time and it, they get to the point where like we're not touring anymore we're the, like we can't do this anymore like we're too big we're- well there was well there was a thing that uh you know um i saw in the george harrison documentary where he talks about it was the crowd was so loud with like girls screaming, yeah, they're that too they big. couldn't even yeah. hear themselves. They can't hear themselves play. play. It's like, yeah. like this is it's it's untenable. Like it, it's right. something we we can't do. It's not even like whether a matter of wanting to do it. We can't do it in in any way that's going to please anybody because like you just screaming our names. Like I know it's me. I'm John Lennon. Yes. Why are you telling me? The fact that you can't even hear yourself playing. Yeah. So you can't hear your guitar. Yeah. So it's one thing to you, not be able to hear even, your voice. I can't even play the song well, well like, oh, because I don't know what I'm doing. What note did I yeah. just play? So then. They stop playing live songs, right? Right. Um, and then their lives are growing, right? So, like, okay, they get married. They have family. So yeah, like wives, not, children. So the only time they spend making music 
or spending spend together is when they're coming into the studio. And at that point, they're coming in. It's not as much of um, uh, jamming in the studio and coming up with a song together, which is why Paul wanted to do this. It's it's like, okay, I wrote this entire song. Let's play it this way, and then we'll add whatever stuff we need to do. But dude, George doesn't necessarily need to be here for his part. He could come in later to do it. Um uh, Paul, I don't even need Paul on this song. I don't even need Ringo. Like, like I mean, so like, they the don't have sound, to be. The sound of things when you were, like, and what they kind of wanted, like a live, a live recording, where they're all, where they're all in the studio together. The, but, but that's so, the point. It's like the reason Paul wants to do this is like we have to get back to like it's like getting back to basics. Like, what do we? How do we become Beatles? Well, that's By the thing that the Glenn together. John said. He wanted it to be like his basement tapes. Yeah. Bob Dylan and the band. So they're all just recording best friends, having a great time together, making music based upon their camaraderie and relationship as musicians, uh, musicians and friends. Yeah, so, so, so I'm saying like, so like, I see that. And I think that Let It Be as an album gets that. What I'm saying, what, what, and I, and I, well, so my whole point was, I think you see why Paul wants to do this mm-hmm. in those moments when they're goofing off, like, like because if they really were like, yes, they, they they weren't always getting along at this period of time, but like if they really hated each other, I'm not gonna sit here and listen to fucking John goof off and just dumb do dumb voices. Let's get these fucking songs done because we we only wanted to do this for three weeks and let's I want to go the fuck home. Right. They spent time. They decided let's 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 extend this time and stay here and let's get it right because they love each other. You know, what I mean? like they actually are having fun it's not constant but they actually are like like you like, like let's let's say um i'm not getting along with you i don't want to hear you do fucking dumb voices dude. like i came here to fucking i have my family like linda mccartney's here she's fucking yeah. hot as shit oh um, she i've never seen her look prettier she, oh, she looks so incredible yeah it's like, like i mean great she's 26 or whatever it is but it's just like wow and but then when fucking patty boyd showed up and patty harrison showed up Holy, I think she's one of the most gorgeous women that have ever Incredible. existed on planet Earth. And it's like vice versa. It's like, I, Yoko's here with me. Like, <laughs> I, I don't want to fucking, like, if, if, like if, we, if we really hated each other, right. we really didn't want to be here, I don't. I wouldn't be here. You know what I mean? So it's like, I think you do, do see those moments where like, okay, they love, this is, there's a reason why Lennon and McCartney, like, why even to the very end, Lennon McCartney is, if I wrote the song or you wrote the song or we both wrote it, it's a Lennon McCartney song because right. that's, that pairing is so fucking powerful. Well, that was that was one of the things I was reading about the afterwards and like the breaking up there and that Alan Klein, where John Lennon is mentioning Alan Klein. Do you remember that yeah. part at all? So ultimately, it was him. He wanted to come in and manage the Beatles. He wanted twenty percent. John, George, and Ringo were like, "Yeah, give him twenty percent." Paul was like, "Fuck you!" Like, no, this is a thing we created. Yeah, I'm not giving this dude extra. What's he gonna do for us? And Especially so at that point in their career, was like, "They, we're the Beatles." You're twenty nine. Like, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, we're 29, but also like, like, it, like when uh, was it Brian Epstein or whatever? When he comes in, like he's he's what makes the Beatles like blow up that big. Right, right? he loved these guys. He, he wanted took them to, to the make next them level. Successful. What level could you take us to, Alan Klein? We're fucking like right, right, right. We're already we stopped touring because people are screaming so loud at our concerts that we can't hear our play, play our music. He, I mean, we don't need you for anything. So it's just in doing research before I came in here, Alan Klein. He ripped off. He was managing the Rolling Stones and ripped them off for royalties. Like they ended up taking. Like so, he was just clearly a fucking money grumming piece of shit and saw dollar signs. Yeah. When he came in and saw some dollar signs. <laughs> but um, I don't know how you feel about. So yeah, them. it's like. It, but and, and so my, my other point was. Signs. <laughs> I saw some shillings. I saw some shillings, mate. <laughs> um, <laughs> the other point I was gonna make is, uh, the Beatles had to break up, right? And it's because at some point, they, they 
how long can this sustain? You know what I mean? How long can something, and how long does it need to sustain? Like, th- one of the things you, you realize in this, uh, this, 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 this documentary is they never, they wanted the Beatles to say what it was, right? In a sense that, like, okay, it's a Lennon McCartney early core, and then Ringo is kind of ultimately, like, the same way the drums are, are what keeps the time. R- Ringo keeps the band together because he's like he's up for anything. You know, I mean, he's kind of like a he doesn't have a lot of ego. He's like I'll write a song, but like I don't care if I ever don't write any songs. Right. Like, I just want to be. I just love being here with you guys. You know what I mean? And then George, for a long time, was like, okay, we'll let you get a couple songs on the on the second half. And then he's like, no, I am as talented mm-hmm. as each one of you, but you're not. You want me to stay, little bro? I'm not your little brother anymore. Like I like we are all adults now, and I'm just as talented. I I wrote some of the best songs that have ever been created on earth and you you don't want you, you i brought a song and you laughed at me and it ends up being one of our best songs it ends up being like a classic yeah it ends up being one of my but he has all things must pass and they, they, they kind of laugh it off it's a fucking incredible song you know what well, I mean? and that was the, and that was the thing where you know when they were trying to get spiritual and it really wasn't uh not all of them bought into it yeah whereas george harrison found it uplifting yeah so like all things must pass is a very like you know uh, a Buddhist approach to life is like everything's fleeting, right? And whereas you know you can either believe in that or not believe in that, he bought into it, yeah. You know, and whether buying it, like buying into it, may not be the best idea because I find I kind of feel that way. Yeah. Unfortunately, things grow and change and leave, and once you come to terms with that, it's helpful. Yeah. And so I think that was one of those things. George Harrison knew he was growing beyond the Beatles. Uh, you know, they weren't letting letting him get his songs on these albums. And do you think that um, Paul and John were trying to stifle him? I don't, think, I, don't think, I don't think they were actively trying to stifle him. Like, I don't think they were saying, like, um, we're not going to let you be. I think it's like this is how it's always worked, right? Right. And it's like, you were our little brother. You were, you only got a couple songs per side. And that's, and we, and we became the Beatles on that process. I think they were trying to keep like things like, 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 um, unconsciously, they were just trying to keep things as they were not recognizing that they, 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 they were like stifling, someone's creativity and it's like, he's like, I don't have to put up with this. And not even in a, in like a, in a negative way. It's just like, I'll I just don't go, want to. I'll just go make all things it's unnecessary. Yeah, 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 I'll yeah. just go make one of the. Best. I'll make a double album that has like every song. It's just fits into. Uh, uh, what's it called? My sweet lord. Uh, what a fucking! Inc- I love that song. And I guess he didn't even want that to be the single because he's like, you know, he says Hare Krishna and he mentions, you know, the Lord and it's a religious song. Yeah. But it's a hit. Yeah. Regardless of the content and the lyrics that are involved, it's an incredible fucking song. Yeah. So it's like I think it's one of those things where it's just like. If we're not going to evolve what the Beatles is, right? Right. Which, How could you? Which where do you go? But I mean, it's one of the things you bring in fucking Billy Preston. You know what I mean? Right. You, like you, you like. But it's th- more stripped down than if you think about the uh, albums leading up into that. So it's like uh, Revolver. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, and but then Sergeant Peppers, the where there are another back band. Back to basics approach. But I'm saying, but like, yeah. one of the things like the 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 the. the when when a band is able to stay along around for that long, what often happens is either some members leave and they bring in somebody to replace them, or they, like okay, now you have a bigger like one of my favorite bands is Vampire Weekend, right? Right. Um, over the course of Vampire Weekend's uh existence, like it starts and it's um Ezra Koenig, he's the main 
driving force. He's the lead singer. He's the main songwriter. And then Rostam Batmangali is um is their their bass player. He produced a lot of their records with him, and he started to write his own shit, right? And he he he, he had song like Diplomat Son, one of their best songs. He wrote that song. You know what I mean? And he gets he has a couple more writing credits on each album. And then by the third album, um after third album, he leaves the band because he's he goes off to go solo. And then they they have they had a fourth album and it was very good but it it they changed the direct it's a, the the sound is a lot different than the traditional Vampire Weekend sound but they had to evolve in order to stay a band otherwise we just break up and we all go our separate ways instead they say okay Rostam left he still contributed to some some stuff on the new album but like it's a new configure uh configuration mm-hmm. it's like um. Like uh, sometimes a, a basketball team or a sports team is like, okay, you were the star before, right? But now, like, okay, now you're coming off the bench and you gotta let the somebody else. And not to say that the not, dynamic. Yes, the dynamic yeah. has to change. And not to say that not necessarily that um, Lennon and McCartney were ready to go on the bench, but it's like make a little more space in the band for it to be like the Beatles and not Lennon McCartney and these two other guys who sometimes contribute. You know what right. I mean? Right. Uh, there's so much. Uh, they always refer to um, Phil Hartman when he was on SNL as the glue. Yeah. So he was the straight man that kind of, he wasn't the funniest part of the sketch, but he was a necessary part of making it a funny sketch. Yeah. Without him, it falls apart. So ultimately, that's what uh, Ringo and George were. Yeah. They were the glue. But and I know they bring in fucking Eric Clapton from While My Guitar Gently Weeps. He wrote that fucking song. While My Guitar Gently Weeps is such a gorgeous song. Like, if you want, like, lyrically, yeah. musically. It's, top to bottom. Yeah. But it's, it's, it's my, my point, though, it's like, it's like I am, like, like and it's not, it's not until later that you're able to say this, but it's like, I'm fucking George Harrison, right. dude. Like, 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 the Beatles is not just successful because of you guys. And it's like, if you can't see that, I'm out of here. Yeah. You know I mean? And it's like, th- that moment when he quits the band, I know George quits the band. Like, I, I know the history of the Beatles. Right. I thought he was joking. Like, I, I, I know how contentious, content, but the way he, he said it so, like, because he's so understated. He said it so casually. He's like, he's like I think I'm just, I'm just going to leave the band. It's about the fucking look on his face, dude. Like I said, no, that, for sure. that but one it, it, close-up of his eyes. No one ever he's... says anything that plainly and that quite, like, you'd be like, I'm fucking out of here. He's, yeah. he's like, I'm going to quit the band, man. Like, like I'm just going to go. Right. And, <laughs> and, and, it's, and, it's, and it's one of those things. Because I'm the same way. Like, I'm not going to yell at you. What is yelling going to prove? But it's like, yo, I will fucking smack you in the mouth. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, I, you get to that point. It's like, I'll fucking, I'll smack you. Like, is that what you really want to do? You know what I mean? Like, and he was there. And also, and you know, you can't fucking smack the guy. You yeah. could if you wanted to, but, you know, then it's going to be on film. Yeah. But it's like, he wanted, to, he was like, I'm done with this. Also, one of the greatest, like, exit lines <laughs> of all time, see around the clubs. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, oh, yeah. Just like, yeah, see around the clubs. Well, he, uh, and that was the thing that, that they write, uh, you know, both in the uh, um, material world and in this. His diary, he wrote, you know, I quit the Beatles today. Just casually. <laughs> like, yeah, like, yeah, left the Beatles. Like, but you know, had some toast, left the Beatles. But that was another thing, like, advanced and not in this movie. Uh, Paul McCartney was, like, inconsolable after they broke up. Like, alcoholic in bed, couldn't think of anything to do. And it was ultimately that uh, Linda McCartney pulled him out of bed and, like, he wrote, maybe I'm amazed about her because she, like, put him back together. Yeah. It was like, this isn't the end of the world. This is just, you got to make more music. And, like, Ringo played drums on all their fucking albums. Yeah. So they, and then they brought, like, Lennon brought in George Harrison on a bunch of his double fantasy stuff to play guitar. Like, so they didn't, I feel like the biggest issue was Lennon McCartney, the competition, them butting heads, and just kind of, 
that Alan Klein thing, which is it's touched it's, upon. It, it's, and it's the it's the it's a control thing. It's like, right. like you watch Paul in his in his movie, and he he is trying to assert some control, but it's also somebody's got to do it. You know what I mean? Because right. at some at some points, John's approach is too like. Right, we'll we'll figure it out, man. Like it's like it's like it's like we, we have a fucking deadline, well, that's a, dude. That's like, another thing Ringo too. Ringo has to go star in a dumb movie. That's another thing that they say, uh, they say in the um, Material World, the George Harrison one, is that Paul McCartney would always ring like George, John, and Ringo would be hanging out, getting stoned, you know, smoking weed, and then like in the garden, they'd go, we'd hear the phone ringing, and we know who it was. It was McCartney being like, come to the studio, we got to make another album. Yeah. So like it was he was the one. He's a driving force that was in a lot of ways. Together. Yeah. But he knew. I mean, he made great albums after the fact, but none of them yeah, were to the, the Beatles, level. It's like they, I mean, as great as they were individually, they're the Beatles is the greater greater than some of the right. some of its parts. And a lot of times you say that, and it's like the the parts are not that good of parts. But right. no, in this case, they were all great parts, and they made something even greater. Um, but it's one of those things. It's like, I, I, obviously, he's not, no one's perfect, but like almost every decision he makes. First of all, it creates this documentary. We don't get an eight-hour documentary of the Beatles without George uh, Paul saying, "Let's do a movie. Uh, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do a TV show. Let's record it and let's end it with a concert." You know what I mean, it's his. Uh, well, watching them figure that out on the fly, like they brought in the cameras with, like, "We're gonna do something with this." Yeah, and, and, and watching it evolve. And the looseness. I, I don't think we've touched like the looseness they have, like looking into the camera and just being like, "Oh, the fuck, they're here." Yeah, you know what I mean. They're they're not putting on airs. Yeah, which like is a even, thing I've said even, a thousand times in the last three days. But they're not like yeah, even, they're just being themselves. Even in like, you could tell there's got anytime there's a camera rolling, somebody's holding something back. But they still feel like they're being. Do you really I'm, feel that way? I think there's like, like, like you said the point like um, George's. I don't think George would have punched anybody, right? No, but. If he would have, he's not going to do it specifically because there's fucking four cameras rolling right now. I I'm not going to punch you. Because even if it's only 1% of yourself, you're going to hold something back if the camera's right. rolling. You know what I mean? So, but even then, they still feel incredibly, like, they, they never, it never feels like they're holding something back. It you made, just know that they have to be because there's cameras rolling. You know what I mean? It made the Beatles feel very human. Like, if, if you're someone who fucking digs in your nose, right? Right. There's a camera rolling, you're probably going to just hold back that. You, you, you might be everyone, every every other bit of yourself, but you're not going to dig in your nose as much because it's a do fucking you, camera watching. Do you, you know, know I mean? a lot of people that dig in their nose? I dig in my fucking nose all the time. Are you, you like fucking no. insane? Yeah. No, you go like, you rub the outside. No, I do that too. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, dude, I dig in my nose. I, I gave myself a home COVID test before I came out because I got my holiday party. Yeah. And you really got to dig in there with a Q-tip. I pulled out a bug. <laughs> nice. Or I put it in the thing. Uh, anyway, uh, <laughs> what was I saying? Um... um no, uh, uh, just, no. Very so making them human. So that was one of the things when uh, Linda McCartney brings her daughter down from her first marriage. And you see John. And they're goofing they're around. Playing, like, and they're playing with the drums. He's, like, yeah. he's like, have you eaten a cat yet? And he's like, no, you don't eat cats. Yeah. He's like, well, I think you should probably eat the cat, man. And then he's just like, oh, man, he fucking loves this little kid. Yeah. Although, you know, he hated his first son. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it, Julian. This 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 is there's a ton of fucking like that. That was what like it demystified them, showing the process, but then also made their creative process that much more incredible. Yeah, it, de it demystifies them, but also points to how good they were. How I mean, like, fucking like, like, talented! Even they were. like you don't have to think about it as gods or whatever. 
or whatever you think of them. I mean, but it's like it's like they're just really, really talented yeah. human beings. Yeah. You know I mean, like they have their flaws. They have their like they goof off. They fucking they get tired of being in the studio. They they get tired of being around each other. They complain about there being fucking cameras here. They ask why are we even doing this whole project in the first place? But they also write get back in the span of two minutes. And it's, it's one amazing. of those like like those things that like in, in writing. Like I'm trying to write those screenplays or whatever. And we've talked about this. One of my favorite, you know, writers, producers, directors is fucking Tarantino. And he's just so incredible that it's like, oh, I'll never write anything this good. It's like, but then there's so many other things that are so far away. Like, it, it makes it hard to approach the creative process. But it's also one of the things about this documentary for me is that it 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 lends. It it highlights the fact that the creative process is the point, right? Mm. It's like. They don't. It's the, the, the going back to the demystification. Mm. They don't. I mean, yes, Lennon shows up when he basically has across the universe completed. But even then, <laughs> when he starts he, coming out of that record player, I was like, holy shit! But but even then, <laughs> you know that he had to sit at home and write because seeing their process in the studio, they're like, okay, this didn't come out of nowhere. Even if it like the 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 kernel of the idea for Get Back comes, he's just kind of fiddling around. Yeah, but like, he the, has to did like, develop it. I mean, it, just. I love what like seeing the the lyrics change over time. Like, like no, we we shouldn't say that. Like like even like um like a uh, sweet Loretta Martin, right? Yeah. It starts to sweet Loretta March, and then it's th- sweet Loretta something else. It's like like and th- them talking about that. It's like no, he's like I, I have it written down here. It's sweet. Like I mean, like, hey, when that, you think yeah. about all the turmoil that was happening in 1968, right? And they're trying like John Lennon was. They were always trying to be in touch with like the politics of yeah. the Western world and all this. And they always kind of they never directly would mention it. But they would write a song about it yeah. in a roundabout way. But, that's, I mean, and, and, uh, but it's my favorite way to approach things. That's the, that's when the, you're I mean, hitting the nail on the head, it's like you're not doing any good uh, uh, art-wise. Yeah. You, you know, it has to come through in your art, but you can't just be like, well, fucking look at this shit. Yeah. You know what I mean? Violence is bad. Yeah, Violence yeah. is bad. Uh, um, <laughs> yeah, one of the things... Uh, fuck, what was I going to say? Um, Violence is bad. Uh, Sweet Loretta Martin. Sweet Loretta Martin. Sweet Loretta Martin. God damn, you <laughs> fucked me up. <laughs> Come on, no, I didn't. I've been doing so good. Uh, <laughs> it's probably the kettle corn you've been eating. Oh no, I was gonna say like not only the turmoil of the world at the time, but the turmoil, like the, the fact that they were able to do all that, even though like like they were hating each other at different times, and it's like they still put together like an incredible, like one of the like seminal albums of the 20th century. Well, there was so I was watching it last night that uh, Material World, like I mentioned, and Ringo talks about he quit the band in 1967. Yeah, we're talking about it. And he was like, I just don't, he goes, he goes, you guys are friends. He goes, you don't like me. And he said this to George and George goes, well, I thought you three were friends. And then he goes, hold on. And he asked Paul, and he thought it was those yeah, three. Yeah, of course. And they saw, and like, I feel like Lennon was the only one who was like, no, you guys all no, love me. Yeah, yeah, he's like, yeah, no, I, I know you guys are fucking yeah. me. I don't know yeah. about the rest of you guys. But that's just like, and it's the group dynamic and creating something as a group. Uh, you know, it's one of the reasons why I, I don't really do improv, because it's like it's this team effort, and I don't want to tell anyone else what to do. So it's like one of those things. Even just taking, we well, don't reins. have to necessarily tell someone else to do though. It's like it's it's the collaborative effort. You know, what I mean? it's it's like right. But if you have an idea, right? So you ha- you're like, I brought this sketch to the group. This is what I want to do, and I'm I'm kind of free. Like I want you to bring your best effort to whatever it may be. But like when Paul McCartney has an idea for a song, he's like, No, you're not doing it right. He I think he was more of a director in his approach to his songs. Than he was even, like a collaborator. Yeah. Okay. So like, but even I mean, but, but, but there's I think 
especially early on in the documentary, he's even more of a director. And I think throughout the process, he's like, like George gets through to him. He's like, you got to loosen up a little yeah, bit. Let like, go. Like, like, let I, go. And like, it, 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 going back to the Billy Preston of it all, like letting him go off, let him, letting George say like, no, I'll, I'll play it this way and it'll be fine. You know what I mean? But um, yeah, I, I just, I, there's just so many good things about it. Like, but my point was, I think Paul was right about so much of this shit. He's like, we need to do a fucking thing, and uh-huh. it's like, and now we have all this fucking footage preserved, and we have an eight-hour documentary simply because this guy said we need to do it this way. And like, they hated a lot of it, but he's like, he was right. The rooftop concert, right, is one of the my favorite moments in history. Is yes. like, like, just like. Well, music history. I don't know, like you know, fucking. Yeah, yeah, no. There's a lot more of the, history. Napoleon not being able to fucking get into Africa. Is that was cool important. Too. You know what I mean? It's but, a big uh, thing. But <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, black people saying Napoleon, you're, you're good. Hey, Napoleon, get the fuck out of here! Not crossing the Pyrenees, dude. Um, that's pretty cool too. But <laughs> as far as like, like <laughs> relatively minor things, cool moment to play a fucking. But like, hit <laughs> the road, Napoleon. Because like, let, let, let's say like, they they decide. Let's do a concert on a roof, right? But they don't have, like, seeing the footage of people, like, starting to see this is happening, like, they're like, who's that playing? It's, it's the Beatles, man. Like, it's like, I love, like, seeing older people say, like, I love the Beatles, seeing older people I say, I hate doing. the Beatles. I think it's seeing great. young people say, I don't know who that is. Like, that, that, that one black guy who's like, I don't know who this band is, but this sounds great, man. It's like, <laughs> this is so cool. Like, having that footage is, like, I'm so happy we have that. I'm so yeah. happy to see the moment of, like, when the cops show up. And, like, dude, British cops Powerless. are so fucking funny, dude. It's <laughs> one point he's like, um, I'm not really appreciative that this is happening, man. Like, it's like, I don't, imagine a cop coming to a fucking, if you're playing a, like, let's say, um, Let's say like fucking Drake was on top of a building <laughs> doing a concert, music blasting. Would, a, would an American cop say, "I don't appreciate that this is happening"? No, he'd be fired <laughs> he'd at the top yeah. of the building. <laughs> he should do the roof like fucking Elmer Fudd, like I mean fucking uh, Yo Seventy Sam. God damn. <laughs> Drake murdered by Elmer Fudd on rooftop. <laughs> Was it Elmer Fudd or was it a bald white guy? Yeah, I don't fucking What's know. He's difference? dead. <laughs> he's All dead. All the same to me. They killed Drake. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, um, he's alive. That's why it's funny. The fucking cops and shit. And like, even like seeing Paul's face when the, he noticed the, the cops. He's so tickled. Coming. Yeah, he's like, yeah. oh shit. And like, yeah, this is hilarious. <laughs> no, that, yeah, um, that's what, like, imagine being the guys, though, too, that's like, oh, the Beatles are playing on a rooftop. I got to go tell them to stop. Yeah. I don't want to tell them. But, no, but they love that <laughs> shit. Oh you, mean, oh, you mean the guy from the studio? I'm talking about the Bobby. No, the, they, they, they fucking hated that <laughs> shit. They, 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 didn't, they, they wanted to go, t- like, that one cop was like. I, they were more upset that they had to do it. No, they didn't like, he's like, no, this is not cool, man. Like, why are they, like, is this, ne-? he kept saying, is this necessary? It's like. It's the fucking Beatles. <laughs> they haven't played happen. a concert in like three years. An old woman couldn't get her nap. Yeah. And he's like, an old woman couldn't get her nap. It's like, who the fuck cares? And it, I, we need to wrap up soon. <laughs> but there's one of my final- Two-hour uh, podcasts about an eight-hour documentary. I'm say, yeah, we're fucking- <laughs> We're kind of fucking shortballing in here. Um, we didn't cover half the things I wrote down. <laughs> the um, th- One of the points I, w- I wanted to make was- um. The other fascinating thing about this is seeing people's opinion of the Beatles at the time, right? Right. Seeing how people did or didn't respond to Let It Be at the time. You know what I mean? Like people seeing how people like you you kind of think it of got poor reviews. Yeah, you you think of the Beatles as like this unassailable kind of like important um like group that like like everyone loved. It's like no people like one of one of my favorite things on Mad Men um where um when the Beatles come to Shea Stadium, uh, Don tries to get his daughter tickets to the concert or whatever. 
And he's like, I don't fucking care about these kids. He's like, he's like, like but to us, it's like, you kind of think like the because the Beatles have such an um, incredible footprint that they, everyone at the time liked them. Like there's old people who say like I don't get this. My kids like it, but I don't get this bullshit. But like we think of it like and like let it be at the time was kind of maligned in a lot of ways. But now it's like it's on Rolling Stones fucking five hundred. You know, right? What I mean? So it's just fascinating to see like the way like like and as time goes on, the artists that we have now, right? There's gonna be a time in the future where like someone like Drake or Adele is gonna future generations gonna think like everyone must have loved Drake, everyone must must have loved Adele the same way that I did now, or like or the way we you know what I mean But we don't like but we know now like the nuance of relationships with artists. So like one of the things where you know, hip hop is all about credibility street cred. And so Drake is a for instance was on fucking uh he's Canadian. Uh he was on a Nickelodeon TV show, so he doesn't like ghostface clowning him like everyone like no liking him is a different is a right. whole but, but, another level of whatever it may my be. point is time erases context right right in 50 years no one's gonna know about degrassi and that's something that unless fuck, you're like a, a like unless you're like a drake like super fan in the future like you're not gonna you, you look that up you're such a fan of music that you suck all the life out of it yeah, like you have to, you have to have the unnecessary points instead of just enjoying. Like people, there's people. Like my point is, there's people who didn't like Michael Jackson. There are people who didn't crazy. like Prince. There are people who didn't like David Bowie. But like right now, they are legends. So we think of them as like even in their time period, they were like 100 percent approval rating. But that doesn't, that never existed for anything. Everyone didn't like fucking Stanley Kubrick. Everyone didn't. Everyone doesn't like Tarantino right now. In a hundred years, people are gonna be like that's one of the great artists, and everyone at the time fucking like he was like. Citizen Kane is a great example. Right, they, it got a lot, lot of. It's generally considered one of the greatest, if, if films not the greatest, then one of the most important movies ever made. And now it got seventy-five years later. It's like this is what is this? Yeah, but but even then, it's still looked at as like that's the document of the twenty. One of the documents of the twentieth century of like this is like great film essential text, right? Yeah. At the time, some people loved it. Some people hated it. Some people like some people were just indifferent to it. But like now. Time erasing context, we see it as like, even if like, cause like he, it's it's not fucking, it's no goddamn uh, mission impossible. Like it, it, it doesn't zip. Like the, as the, the, far the pacing and pure, pure entertainment value. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's not as Nowhere watchable, near. but it's right. a very good movie. Right. But it's also like you gotta recognize like it's a hundred, like it's a fucking seventy years ago. So it's, it, the way we look at it's gotta be different. But the, my point is, at the time, everyone didn't love it. But we there's the Casablanca. There are people who. Casablanca got bad reviews, but that's all context. So that's a that's pl- that's that's my point. Yeah, World War Two, time removing context. Forty two. They're in uh, wherever the fuck they were in France. They were at a, a club in France or whatever it was, where the French or the Germans would come. Like, there's so much context that makes it's still a great movie, but you also might just be like, "What the fuck is going on yeah, you here?" You don't, you don't care as much because you aren't like you you aren't as invested. Yeah, what in, is Humphrey Bogart doing in this? Yeah, movie? you don't even know. It, well, in hundred years, you don't necessarily know as much about World War Two. So you're just right. like. This is a cool movie, but I don't know why it's so important. But that's what makes it so much more fascinating. And they talk about the scene where the French are singing and they overpower the Nazis and that people that were actually in the resistance started crying on set when that scene happened. It just adds all these different levels and layers. So that's kind of what this did for me. Demystifying, but then also adding layers to the talent level and kind of... Uh, not the importance of the Beatles because they're not important to everybody, and important is a very but but broad they, word. But if that makes they, any sense. What's one of the things for this movie about me? Uh, 
for me about this movie is that they don't have to be important to you for them to be important. You know what I mean? Like in a sense that like what they represent to music stands, whether or not you like whether or not that old lady gave a fuck about them and liked them because like this lady hated them because they fucking zero fucks. She yeah, did not give a fuck. They it was got noise. Woke, she got woke up from a nap. This is bullshit. She could have loved the Beatles, but her nap was more important. Yeah. This, she was done yeah, with it. But let's say she didn't like the Beatles. Right. Like, this is bullshit. I don't like this fucking music. And you just woke me up from a nap. But she's witness to one of like the seminal moments in music history, right. the last Beatles concert. No one at the time knows that this, they'll never play again. They'll never outside of the studio. Right. They'll never play another show. No one knows that. So for her, it's like this fucking idiots woke me up from my lap, and from for me, and if she's like, you're missing the greatest <laughs> thing. Like you know I mean, the last time that one of the greatest bands of all time will play because you're. You're a fucking old lady who needs to wake the I fuck was, up. It's, I was it was nervous. like four in the afternoon. Where are you snapping for anyway? I was nervous that I we'll wasn't. sleep your fucking chimney. I was nervous they weren't going to have the whole rooftop concert. It was going to be like snippets. You oh, know no. what I mean? And when There's they no, had the whole fucking when, thing. When I saw the first, because I didn't know how long the documentary was. When I saw the first episode was two hours and 39 minutes. I was like, okay, they're going to have the entire concert. But I, I was so, I mean, another, re- another time that I got super happy, and I know we're trying to wrap it up. When Ringo's playing Octopus's Garden. And he's like banging it on the piano, and George comes in, and you know the two, you know the youngest brothers. He's like, oh, "I'll help you out with this." That was I thought was camaraderie of because that's one of my favorite songs. It's it's not even a, a great song. It's kind of silly, you know. It's a kid's song. That's one of the things I love about the, Be- about the Beatles is that a lot of their music is silly. Like, right, like, they were fearless in what they, they were willing. They to were put having on fun. They mean like yeah. a lot of the shit is like like this is just like the very project, the very. Um, uh, idea of let it be like let's see if we can make an album and a TV show in thirty days, and they did, and they and, it, and it became a one of the great. But it's like that that's something you don't do if you're not. It took fifty years to to flower. Yeah, but, <laughs> you know but, I mean? but sure, and but, technology. But my point is like it's like it, it was a whim. You know what I mean? Like it's like it's like let's just let's just do it. You know what I mean? And I, I think that's one of the things that you could take from this documentary. Just like just have some fucking fun and just figure it out. You know what I mean? Like that's what they did. Like even like in this documentary, but also prior. That's that was their process. And that's like George fucking ring. Um, John doing those fucking goofy voices. That's one of my favorite things that you hear on the the album is like 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 I started the podcast with like uh, fuck, I think a pygmy by Charles mm-hmm. in, in the Death Age. Like that's fun shit that you get you get those moments. And it's all silly, non sequitur. It's just the it's silly. Yeah. And then my final point is the one of the going back to craft because that's where I started. That's where I right, right, right. Like hammer and the home. filmmaking of 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 <clears throat> the expert filmmaking is like. When they when they put on the screen, it's like this was the take that ended up on the album. It's like I love yes. that shit. It's like it's yeah. so effective to see. The, like this is the take that makes the album. Because I the, always wanted a live Let It Be album, but come to find out, it's kind of what we yeah, got. Yeah, we basically got a live. Yeah, so it's like those little words, or like it's like um, like when it'll just be a, a text. It's like they just went around the studio. George is disgruntled or whatever. It's like setting up the like because. You'll pick up enough um, just by watching the footage, but like setting the scene with, the, and it, it's never overdone. It's just a little bit of text, and it's just like, okay, we hit a camera in this, they hit a microphone in this plant, and then we get to pick up this whole conversation. It's like just enough to like tell you, and like, like I was saying um, to you guys in the group chat, watching um, the last episode, and I know, you know, being 50 years, 50 plus years removed from it, that. This is their last concert, but just seeing like they would never. This would be their final public. Like it, it fucking hit me. Like it's like goddamn. Like like like. So this that was, was like, Fanoi. I was texting with him, and he said it makes me so f- uh, sad. It feels like a family breaking up. And so to me, it was 
I knew they were breaking up, and I'm just appreciating the, like the time, this like look into their time together. Like just thinking like like ten years later, well eleven, 11 years, years later, John John's Lennon dead. Gets, he didn't mean assassinated. And it's like it's just it's just, it's it, like the way time. But it also like kind of makes you appreciate your own personal relationships. Yeah, and realizing like how how, how kind of fleeting life can be, because uh, you you know he was forty years old, which is young for all intents and purposes. Like he got he was forty and he got shot in the back like. But I think it's interesting to think about John Lennon's because uh, he was he was done with fame because like people that desire for fame, I think, realize they made a mistake. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like even if you're a fucking Kardashian. Right. Like I think they realize that this is a mistake. Absolutely. You know what I mean? And then so the fact that he would walk around New York City like and people were just like, hey, it's John Lennon. And he was like, oh, hey. And they kind of let him go. Like, I think he just he would have rather died walking around as a normal human being than being trapped in this Beatles Yeah, not, not being able to leave bubble. the Dakota. Like, so that mean? was he his... Had, yeah. He was... I, I think, you know, no one... I don't think anyone, unless, you know, I don't know, whatever. Death is... <laughs> some people want to die. It's crazy to me. Uh, but, you know, I don't think he wanted to die, but I think, like, that was the way, you know, if he was going to die... He was gonna die walking down the street with Yoko. You know yeah. what I mean? Like that's how he wanted to go up. Yeah, and it's just like I don't know. It's one of the, like watching this. It's like it's one of those things where it's like you can't change history, obviously. But it's like right. one of those things. Like, what if they would have just did this? Instead? Right. You know what I mean, what if he fucking stayed in the hotel that back day? What to if the he fucking fuck, yeah? Last night in Soho, <laughs> you go back in time, stop yeah. from murdering everybody. <laughs> can't be done. Can't change the past, baby. Yeah, but I don't know. There's so much more I could talk about, and we talked I know. way too much already. Yeah. But um, but we did a good job. Uh, ab- yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it was, uh, I mean, I, th- I thought it was just like super great. Like just I loved it, and 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 it's one of those things where like when you get excited to see a movie and it lives up to uh, expectations. Yeah, it's like yeah. And how it, could this totally have did. possibly like like you said? Um, like what else could be said about the Beatles? And it's like, well, they just said it all for us. Yeah. You know what I mean? They so they'll, 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 t- they'll let you know what to say. Watching you know? them put together, get back. Was is magic, and yeah. that's kind of what it says in that tweet. It's like, oh, they just didn't. It was magic. Yeah, yeah, incredible. Um, yeah, great episode, man. Thanks great, for yeah. coming. Anytime and about this. Uh, yeah, let's do it again. Yeah, um, we're gonna finally do that King Richard episode. Yeah, yeah, too. I still gotta watch the movie, um, but I'll I'll do it. You know, I have eyes still. Yeah, I hope so. Fingers crossed, baby. Uh, anything you want to plug? Uh, when's this coming out? Next week, I think. Oh, okay, never mind. Yeah, I was like, no, I, I, December twenty second. We're doing a comedy Christmas party at Cafe Nine. Boom, open mic. Wow, uh, two fifty State Street, New Hay, Pew. aka New Haven. Uh, Danny Boy thirty thirty, Twitter and Instagram. Nice. Uh, hail Satan. You know what, motherfucker? Find me on that motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Um, <laughs> Loaf dog. <laughs> <laughs> um. Fucking cut, man. All right. We're done. Beauty.